0: think uh it's maybe one of the biggest rules of radio podcasting whatever that uh descriptions of visual things kind of die but i'm going to do it anyway because i'm looking out my window all right and there are these two maple trees and one is like just crazy yellow and orange and all different. I mean, it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful sight. And the other one is still completely green. Hmm. And it's, of course it's also beautiful. Uh, but we're in this season where the leaves are changing and, and here in Michigan, we get a lot of people coming up to, to see the leaves change, uh, but I was talking with somebody yesterday and they said, yeah, it really seems like the leaves are all changing at a different rate this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I have this mm-hmm. evidence of it really explicitly outside of my, my home office window here. And uh, I think it's both really beautiful, but also a cool reminder talking about the spiritual life and, mm-hmm. and the, the, the different ways that we progress through the spiritual life and and the different rates at which we might progress through the spiritual life. And yeah. I thought that was maybe a, a kind of a cool and appropriate uh visual metaphor mm-hmm. for
1: today. Yeah, or maybe some trees are just on the old calendar. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yes, it's the one is a greek tree and one's a serbian tree.
1: There you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. The, the leaves have been changing here and there's a lot of color and it's super nice to see. Um, didn't get a whole lot of that growing up in Texas, you know, there was Mm. pretty much just green and then yellow, uh, and then, and then dead looking. So that's all I remember. Not a lot of maples growing down there as I recall, especially in South Texas. No. Um, but anyways, yeah. Awesome. Awesome analogy for the spiritual life. Um, so, um, you are listening to Church Coffee Pod, where the theology is never watered down, and the conversation keeps flowing. I am Father Gregory. And I'm Father Bryce. Yeah. So last month, we were talking about uh, scripture and, and science and creation, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We got into a discussion about type and anti-type. Yes. And uh, I, I remember I got all twisted around in my head uh, as we were talking about a little bit. That can happen at times. Um, and, and, and we have since kind of discovered why that might be because sometimes type and anti-type are not consistently used in the same way, depending on what you're talking about in the scriptures and in the church. So, um, so anyways, uh, you know, I think, I think you kind of, you know, you were able to kind of do a little bit of a deep dive on those words and the kind of the background of those words. So,
0: oh man. Yeah. So, so Father Gregory and I had a very long, very confused discussion about type and anti-type uh, in between these recording sessions, because even scripture uses them slightly differently. So the official theology that is called typology, um, we actually stated, I actually stated backwards last month, and it it gets brought up by Paul in Romans, where he says that Adam is a type of Christ, and so the the Greek word there can mean like a footprint, and so obviously Adam is kind of the print, and Christ, for lack, of, since we're using this analogy, Christ is the foot in this analogy, right? He's the Christ one that the, makes the print. Right, Christ is the thing that makes the imprint, mm-hmm. and Adam or sometimes Jonah is used uh, being buried or in the whale for three days. Like Christ is buried for three days. Um, Joseph. Joseph is a type of Christ. We see this come up in the Holy week services. Yep. Uh, So that is the official theology that is called typology. Um, And so the, the type corresponds to the anti type And the antitype is the thing that makes the imprint. But then we also, in scripture and in St. Basil's liturgy, have a different use of antitype, which uses antitype as kind of a reflection or an image. And so the bread and wine before they are consecrated in Basil's liturgy are called the antitypes. And um, the the sanctuary built by the Israelites while they're in the desert is called an anti-type of the heavenly sanctuary. And the flood with Noah is called an anti-type of baptism. So in this case, uh, they're, they're using anti-type as the image or reflection. And so we apologize. uh, I apologize for my confusion. I had it, the official theology completely flipped around but that's because they're used differently. But you can you can kind of think of the type anti type relationship as something that is the primary image or, or something that is it is real, and then something that is an image of that, or as something that is the form or the the, the thing that makes an impression and then the image that's made when that impression is is made.
1: You know, it's it's good though. I mean, when you know, sometimes we we make mistakes, we misspeak, or then it it causes us to have deeper questions and to explore more, which is yeah. a lot of what this podcast is about. And um, be, you know, it, it reminds these things always remind me of of Thomas Sunday or what is sometimes mm. called Antipasca, uh, oh. because um, you know, he asked questions. He said, you know, unless I put my hand in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Yeah. And then he comes back, you know, on the eighth day, and there's the risen Christ. And he says to him, Put your hands in my side, you know, touch my hands, put your hand in my side, do not be mm-hmm. faithless, but believing. And, and Thomas, the Apostle Thomas, then gives like the most direct, I think, exclamation of the divinity of Christ, which is, you know, right. says, My Lord and my God. Yeah. And uh, the hymns of the church convey this in a very positive manner mm-hmm. that, um, is, like, son says something like, Oh, blessed doubt of Thomas. You know yeah because yeah. uh, then it talks about how that questioning and that kind of digging in and, and looking deeper uh deepened his faith and led to the exclamation of the full divinity of christ mm-hmm. and And so it is for us, a lot of times when we have questions, we're kind of wondering about things, we don't understand things. It's an opportunity to look deeper, and when we do the work, um it it becomes an opportunity for really deepening our faith.:
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, uh, the topic for this month that we're kind of looking into, which kind of also helps deepen our faith is, yes. you know, the spiritual practices, uh, yes. so kind of looking at the spiritual practices of, uh, prayer, fasting and almsgiving these kind of, uh, essential, uh, everyday practices or uh, to some degree every day. I mean, you look at fasting, but, um, sure. and, um, and, and those practices are, are beneficial, helpful, essential for the Christian life.
0: Yeah, yeah. sometimes uh, these three practices are called the three-legged stool, right you you need each one of the legs because if you don't, then then your spiritual life is gonna fall over. Um, but they're also not the spiritual life in and of themselves. they're they're not ends as it were. Um, and so Father Evan Armitas in his book, uh, the Spiritual Toolkit or the Toolkit for Spiritual Growth, he he says, you know this is this three-legged stool. It's a foundation from which your your spiritual life or your faith can grow and can deepen. Um, I think this is especially an appropriate analogy right now as we we just recently had the the parable of the sower um, so we can, kind of see these three things as the ways in which we make our heart good and noble as, as the gospel of Luke says, Um, preparing our heart, making the soil soft, clearing it of rocks, clearing it of thorns. And, and these are the practices that help make the soil good so that the seed can grow. There's all kinds of advice from all different kinds of people about, all of these topics about prayer about fasting about almsgiving and it can be really confusing and some people will even you know go out and maybe grab the Philokalia or some other book maybe you know usually written by a monastic writing to monastics mm-hmm. giving spiritual advice for monastics mm-hmm. and they'll think all right i'm gonna do the spiritual advice as presented in here and mm-hmm. and uh that can be a difficult thing. It can be maybe even a recipe for disaster. Yeah.
1: And I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I really appreciated, uh, some advice I heard once, uh, this was specifically related to fasting, but I think it applies to all three. Some of we were talking about, you know, how do you know to do the fast during Lent? How, how strictly should you do it? Should you just do exactly as it's presented? Should you, you know, what do you do? And, and, uh, a veteran priest said, "There is there is one number one rule about fasting. We could say there's one number one rule about the spiritual practices, and that's ask your spiritual father. These things we we don't do them in isolation. We don't do them without uh, kind of direction. Uh, we do these things in community and at the direction of a spiritual father. So I think that's a good disclaimer." to start with, right. If we were doing a, a fitness podcast, we'd say, mm-hmm. talk to your doctor before beginning any fitness regimen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and seeking advice and guidance can protect us from two pitfalls. One pitfall is, you know, the pitfall of, you know, pride and egoism. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do all these things. And if you're able to do it without crashing and burning, um, it, you know, then, then, you, you know, you, you can, can get kind of an ego, you can get, Rooted in your pride, it'll eventually lead to problems, mm-hmm. and and then the other pitfall can just be, you know, kind of laziness. Uh, all that I can't do all that, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so I also heard this analogy that it's kind of like riding a bicycle, you know, mm. and you know you got to pedal and go straight so you keep the bike upright. But oftentimes the tempter comes and tries to push us one way or the other. He tries to make us go too fast. Mm-hmm. So that would be like taking on too much too quickly or to go too slow, you know, if you go too slow, the bike can't stay upright. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not, you're not really going anywhere. Uh, and so that's why it's important, like you said, you know, to kind of do these things, uh, in conjunction with, the uh, direction, uh, from one spiritual mm-hmm. father and, and also to do them as a part of the community. And yeah. I also read this kind of, um, interesting article by this one priest. And he was talking about how we really only have one set of fasting rules, speaking of fasting huh, and that's the monastic rules. Right, right. And that's it. That, that's, that's, there it is. And those yeah. are the rules. And so if you try to follow that strict and you're able to do that with the blessing of your spiritual father, God bless you. But most people cannot, um, mm-hmm. follow them probably exactly as they're laid out. Right. And, and so, um, you know, there's different occupations or there's different situations where it, not only may it not be, uh, uh, practical, it also may not be advisable. Uh, right for for many reasons. And so uh so again having that having that conversation can be really uh really important. Right. And that doesn't that doesn't set you kind of outside the community if done
0: in the consultation with the spiritual father.
1: Right. No, absolutely. And another priest once told me that uh you know if you read the Desert Fathers, it kind of becomes clear that it was never maybe never meant to be kind of a one size fits all, even though there is kind of Mm. a standard and a rule. Mm-hmm. And, and a teaching that kind of gets laid out. Um, and, and in that teaching and that role too, I mean, historically they were trying to find moderation, I think, uh, yeah. based on how people ate at the time, especially because, um, you look at like the fasting rule of the desert fathers themselves, it was like nothing until 3 PM and, and then only like bread and water right. and, and pulses maybe. And, and <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's really hard. And, and then, and then you kind of find other rules that maybe are, are a lot less, Mm-hmm. And, and, and so where the Orthodox church tried to fall was to teach, you know, teach us to practice self-control and and follow moderation, uh, but also obedience because obedience is a part of, uh, the fasting rule It it provides humility in our souls. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. that goes back to, you know, seeking the guidance of a spiritual father, you know, especially if needed, um, yeah. and, and obeying that, um, to protect oneself from, uh, like pride and egoism and that kind of stuff. So
0: if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, Father Gregory, I'm, you know, maybe they've been orthodox all of their life, maybe they're just coming into the church, who knows, mm-hmm. but they don't really have an understanding of of how prayer works." Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I think here in the West, we typically think of prayer as a pretty laid back, very informal thing that we probably do mostly in our heads and it's kind of stream of consciousness, conversational style, uh, discourse with God. Mm -hmm. So if somebody came to you and said, this is kind of the understanding of prayer that I have just kind of, I talk to God when I feel like it, Mm -hmm. where do I need to go from here?
1: So, and this is just me. I mean, you're asking me, I guess, how I guide people. Some of the things I've always kind of fallen back on. I think it's important to have as much as is possible to have kind of consistent times we show up to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and so typically we say, you know, morning and evening. Um, some might say morning, you know, midday and evening, depending mm-hmm. on the work day or the school day and what that looks like. Sure. Uh, I also think it's good to start with liturgical prayer, uh, yeah. to learn liturgical prayer from a prayer book. Uh, One of my favorite lines is actually from St. Benedict of Nursia who says, you know, we don't put our mouth where our mind is, but we put our mind where our mouth is. Mm. And that might sound backwards, but what he was getting at, especially for the the monks at that time, you know, they were praying the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And we talked last time about how scripture is theopnostos, God's breathing. Mm -hmm. And so praying the Psalms is, is praying with God's breath, if you will. Yeah. And, and so that, then that routine and that habit transforms our minds and our hearts Yeah. to use those words. And they also emphasize a lot of times praying, you know, verbally, um, not that there's anything wrong, obviously praying, you know, mentally, um, but, mm. but praying verbally so that we also hear the words with our ears, mm. uh, even if it's in a very low voice. I remember another older priest once telling me that, you know, bringing up the example of Hannah in the old Testament
0: Uh
1: and how she was praying. And she was being like, she was talking so softly that the priest uh, thought she was drunk and rebuked her and then discovered she wasn't drunk at all. She was doing something (laughs) actually very spiritual. Yeah. And, um, and so, so he, he kind of counseled, especially when we're, I mean, he was talking to me as a priest when praying liturgically is good to, Mm. even if it's in a very low voice, uh, to vocalize it and and just the benefit that that can have uh, so I think that that might be that could be important for people mm-hmm. um, and also too because I've noticed in my own prayer life that sometimes when you're just praying silently um, it's easier for the mind to wander yeah um, it's easier to get distracted during prayer to like your eyes are kind of following the words and you may even be praying them some way mentally but then your mind is also on other things that cares. Mm-hmm the cares of the day or, or conversations from the night before or yeah. stuff you're trying to figure out. Um, and a way, I guess you're kind of bringing all of that to prayer too. Um, but, but, you know, it's really important to try to focus on the words, uh, yeah. that are being offered. And so in the same way we have Orthodox prayer books and they have very beautiful prayers in them. Yeah. Uh, that also the same way as the Psalms inform our minds and our hearts, When we pray those prayers. So when we're praying with the tradition, when we pray with the tradition, that way, we're also praying with the whole church. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a communal aspect of that, even if it is private prayer. And of course, you'll hear the saying that there's no such thing as private prayer, Mm -hmm. because when you're praying, God is there. The angels are there. The saints are there. Mm -hmm. So prayer is communion with God. So it's an intentional time of communion with God. Listening can be an important aspect of prayer too. Sometimes mm-hmm. that can be aided with prayers, meditative prayers, like the Jesus prayer or repeating a Psalm verse or repeating a, a verse from the Gospels. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jesus prayer maybe kind of came out of verses from the Gospels, like the prayer of the publican, Oh God, yeah. be merciful to me, the sinner. And, and the prayer of the blind man, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those two, those two kind of coming together, to kind of form that that tradition of prayer so um so there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects of that and a lot yeah. of times that's where i kind of that's where i kind of start with with people and also another thing i've heard is if we only pray with our own thoughts you know people find sometimes they'll say well praying with a prayer book or with the scriptures is kind of limiting uh-huh but if they paid attention, if they only pray what we call extemporaneously, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. But if they only pray with that, it's often more limited yeah, than, than what they would find from yeah. the tradition of that's available in, in various prayer books and the services of the church uh, and in the Holy Scriptures.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, one confusion that kind of trips people up, and I think this especially comes into play when we talk about the question of, you know, can you quote unquote pray to the saints um, is that we mean so many different things mm-hmm. by the word pray, like mm-hmm. you just highlighted. Uh, and, and it kind of has a primary meaning that we almost don't even use it for anymore. Right. I mean, if you read Shakespeare, you'll find some kind of phrase like pray pass me that goblet, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. I pray thee like mm-hmm. to, to just uh, some other person. Right. Cause mm-hmm. the, the word in itself has the meaning of ask or request, right? I ask or request of you. And so that can kind of help clear up like, yeah, of course we ask and request the prayers of the saints. We ask mm-hmm. and request them to, to pray for us, just as we would ask or request a friend to pray for us. But then of course, when we say prayer, we mean, like you said, communion with God, listening to God. Uh, we might, pray the scriptures and that might even be a better primary activity to do with the scriptures than to study them i i can't you, i believe i heard this quote from you and i can't remember if it's also saint benedict or not but uh when we pray the psalms we're using god's own words to talk to god yeah well there's um,
1: many have said that so yeah it's, i mean it's, yeah. it's true uh yeah and uh and again they're they're transformative uh um, yeah
0: yeah. yeah. So we do all these, all of these different things now kind of fall under that heading of prayer and, and that's wonderful and beautiful, but I think that's, we run into some of that confusion with it as well.
1: And, you know, cause it's, it's one of those things, I think Patriarch Bartholomew said somewhere that, you know, he, he made the point, the simple point that prayer is a noun that's primarily coming from the verb. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you do. Yeah. You, you know, you you learn by doing and you experience by doing. Um mm-hmm. and so one who a prayer is one who prays. Yeah. You know, so just kind of in that in that regard.
0: Right. And when when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he gives them a prayer to do.
1: Right. Yeah, he gives them the uh what we call the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, the Pater Yeah. uh to say and it's uh it's concise, but it's deep. Oh, yes. And it contains pretty much everything that's needed. I remember one time uh, a priest came to speak on a retreat in, in Texas when I was there. And he was talking about praying the hours. And he said, yeah. you know, we had a little private conversation on the side. And he said, even if, even if you just say the Our father, you pray the Our father, at, at the times of the hours, you know, the first hour, third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour, Mm -hmm. you're still keeping, you're still keeping the hours in some way. Yeah. First hour is like dawn. Third hour is mid morning. Sixth hour is, you know, lunchtime noon and ninth hour is like middle afternoon. Yep. Uh, And so these are kind of traditional prayer times that the Christian church continued. Uh, I mean, they were, they were done in Judaism. Mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, and then the early church continued them and you see him in early writers like, uh, Hippolytus of Rome. Mm-hmm. And he's, he, he exhorts the Christians. I mean, they didn't necessarily have prayer books. Many of them were illiterate. He kind of gives them simple ways to pray, simple things to remember. And he says, you know, and if you do this, if you keep these prayer hours, you know, throughout the day, it will help keep you from sin
0: because mm-hmm.
1: it breaks up the day.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a really good reason to, to pray, uh, which make, which was kind of what I was going to say. Why? Why should we pray? What? What is? What? Why do we engage in this activity?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I like to think of it too as in the sense of a relationship. Mm. We have a relationship with God. He's our heavenly Father. We are His children. You know, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, if you want to deepen any relationship, you have to spend time in, in mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to spend time talking and listening to one another. When, when you, when you come to know God, you know, I think you want to spend time with him. Yeah. Um, and because there's, you know, and there's grace there. And then sometimes, sometimes there's silence. Sometimes yeah. it, it feels like, you know, it might, it might feel a little empty mm-hmm. and and there's different, you know, different reasons for all of that spiritually and, and all of it's good, but it's important to continue to show up.
0: Yeah. Um, that's, that's why, like you said before, you want to have a routine, a set, Set times where yeah. whether you're going through a, a season of spiritual abundance or a very dry season, you're still showing up because if we only pray when things are feeling spiritually good, that mm-hmm. we're going to have a really inconsistent prayer life.
1: But I also think, or, you know, for example, here might be a better analogy. You know, there's a lot of studies now that show the importance of families having like a weekly family meeting.
2: Mm. Hmm.
1: and, and just a dedicated time where they sit down together as a family and they just, they talk and they listen to each other. They might ask forgiveness of each other. Hmm. They kind of look at the week ahead and there's, I mean, there's books and things written about just the value of, of doing that. And so Mm -hmm. I think on a daily basis and multiple times a day, there's great value and, and having an, an, an encounter with God in prayer. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, if we didn't need any other reason, Jesus himself prays oh. a lot. I mean, we're in the season of the gospel of Luke and in Luke's gospel, Christ is going off to pray all, all
1: the time. Yes, absolutely. And I, the Catholic writer Henri right he kind of saw a pattern mm. in some of the gospels where Jesus spends a lot of times, like either really late at night or really early in the morning, depending on how you look at it, mm-hmm. praying by himself. Mm-hmm. Then he spends time with the disciples Mm -hmm. and then he spends time kind of out, you know, he's out among the public, he's out among the masses or whatever. Hmm. And he saw in that a pattern, uh, for, for everyone, or especially those of us engaged in ministry, whether whether priests or ministry leaders or whoever that, you know, we need to spend time, you know, in quiet prayer alone with God, Mm -hmm. we need to spend, spend time praying with the apostles. So I look at that as like liturgical prayer. Yeah gathering together as the church to pray. Yeah. And, and, and then that fuels, uh, that gives us energy and strength and grace to then engage, uh, in the ministry that we're called to do, whatever it may be, whether mm-hmm. it's serving the church as a priest or whether it's, you know, working as a a, a layperson in the, at the soup kitchen, um, mm-hmm. or working with the youth, whatever it may be, um, uh, we all need that, um, that kind of basis for, for the work that we're called to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that brings up another really good point of if you're feeling a dryness in the liturgy, mm-hmm. a disconnect from the prayer of the liturgy, from communal prayer, uh that could be because we're not investing as much into our private prayer. The the two are very much connected. And without the private prayer, the the communal prayer can be become Difficult, or uh, can be, be, we we might not really connect with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the prayer throughout the week helps prepare us to come together as a community in prayer.
1: Absolutely, and they they one flows into the other. Private prayer yeah. flows into liturgical prayer. Liturgical prayer flows into private prayer. Yeah, um, and and we need both. Absolutely. So, talking about prayer, there's this great quote. Hmm. Uh by St John Chrysostom that says if you want your prayers to soar to the heavens give it the wings of fasting and almsgiving.
0: Oh, very nice. Mhm. So, well there's one reason to fast. Yeah. What, what what else what do we do this for? It's such a weird thing. We are not like it sometimes feels like we're anti uh pleasure or we're against <laughs> matter or the things, you know, no. thing, quote unquote, things of the flesh or so what's going on here? I mean, it's such a bizarre thing to do anymore. Very few people fast for reasons other than uh, some kind of physical health benefit. Sure. And and so what do we what do what do we do this for? Why are yeah. we fasting as part of a spiritual exercise?
1: Well, on the, we've already said kind of one thing is that it helps our prayer. Yeah. Um, when you, when you're fasting, you're lighter, your, your mind is more clear. Um, it's, it's actually easier. I mean, try praying after a really heavy meal. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of right. hard to do, um, right. or harder to do, I should say. Sure. Um, so, uh, but I also think too, like it, sometimes it can be easier to answer that question in the sense of why do we fast on Wednesday and why oh. do we fast on Friday? Okay. So, right. So Wednesday is the day the Lord was betrayed. Friday is the day he was crucified. Mm-hmm. So, so we're fasting on those days. So there's a connection between the why, especially with the, with the abstinence fast, because there's two types of fasting, right? There's the abstinence fast, where we abstain from certain types of food, which is what a lot of people think about with fasting. yeah. And then there's the total fast, where we, we don't consume anything as we're preparing to receive the Eucharist. Sure. Uh, so, and those are also kind of two different things. So one is all, sometimes the abstinence fast is also called the ascetical fast, mm-hmm. um, as an, as an, is the Greek word, right. For exercise. Yeah. it's a form of spiritual training. It's a form of spiritual exercise. So that's like the longer periods, like great Lent, um, are kind of, they have an ascetical aspect to them. Uh, but also because, you know, again, we, you know, we're, we're, we're remembering the betrayal and we're remembering the crucifixion. Uh, or there's kind of the one-off fast days, as I call them, like the feast day of the beheading of St. John on August 29th. Yeah. You know, so we're fasting that day because they were throwing a great party and, you know, Herod was, and having this great party, it results in the very, you know, unfortunate and sad reality, of the beheading of St. John, yeah. uh, the forerunner. And so there's this aspect of, you know, fasting as a way of kind of improving our self-control muscles. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I remember one time being in a grocery store and someone was losing their mind over like the line or something. And I, it just, it just struck me at that moment. I was like, that person needs some fasting in their life, (laughs) you know, because it, it, it also, if done in the right way, can really build uh, your patient's muscles.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you, you find in some of the desert fathers, uh, discussion of kind of the desires of the stomach as kind of kind of the most elemental and basic desires that we have and so if you're able to to kind of say no I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna eat as much or I'm not gonna eat this specific kind of food that I really want whatever it might be then you're gonna be more ready to uh, say no I really want to lose my mind over this line in the store but I'm not going to or no, you know, I I'm, I might be tempted by whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be able to say no because I'm able to say no to these more basic urges that are, I mean, eating is good. It's perfectly fine. We were right. made to eat. Right. Um, but if we are able to keep that within reason and within under the control of our mind and spirit, then these other things are easier to deal with.
1: Yeah. And it's the voluntary putting aside of something good. Yes, I mean yeah. I think that's important to emphasize. It's not yeah. we don't we don't you know it's not evil to eat meat, right? Jesus ate the Paschal Lamb, right? You know, growing up, so it's it's not evil to eat meat, um, but we voluntarily put it aside. And if you do it, if you're able to do it for all the days, um, most of the time, if not all the time, more than half the year, um, right. in, in the Orthodox Church to kind of, again, and that what you're kind of describing there is that ascetical fast, right? So by, by, by saying no to meat or to dairy, eggs, you know, alcohol, um, et cetera, we're kind of, we're, we build up the ability to then say no when temptation comes yeah, or, you know, when, when there's an ethical challenge in front of us, um, we're more able to make the right decision and follow that decision through because we've been practicing uh, you know, I, I played a lot of sports growing up. I loved sports. I played a lot of basketball mm-hmm. and you practice a whole lot more than you play in games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, the, and you drill and you do all kinds of drills and all kinds of conditioning training. Cause it's, it's a, it's a very, it's a very aerobic, uh, activity, uh-huh. um, and lots of running and, and some weight training and all that in the off season and all of that is to get you ready for the games. So yeah. I think in this case, the game is life. the everyday situations of life, so to speak. And, and fasting is the training that helps, helps us, uh, when we're, uh, dealing with the game of life. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I also, one thing that, uh, somebody brought up to me once about fasting and, and it, it makes me laugh. And I, I think it also is very true, uh, is that when we fast, you know, we start to get a little hangry. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? And we get grumpy and we might be snippy with people. And and so one of the things that our fasting reveals to us is, huh? Wow. Look how much I rely on the things God gives me. Mm -hmm. And 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 how how uh fallible I am. Yeah. I I went two days without having a hamburger and I bit somebody's head off. You know, like yeah. Yeah, So it's,
1: it, it reveals to us our own weakness. And, and that makes me think too, there's also kind of a social dimension of fasting because there are a lot sure. of people in the world that are not going to have a hamburger, not right. only outside of two days, but two months or two years or 20 right. years or whatever it may be. And as, especially as Americans, I think we need to fast. Yeah. Uh, maybe more than any other country in the world. From the yeah. standpoint of, and, and you know, and of course there are parts of America too, that are very, that are struggling and are hungry, of course. Uh, you know, and so I'm not necessarily speaking there, but, but so that we're more, you know, we're more connected to that reality that we're more aware and, and also help hopefully that helps us grow in compassion but, but I remember what you're talking about being snippy and, and yeah, that's definitely, that can definitely happen. It does happen. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of memes about that. Uh, and, and, um, and, and, you know, the verse that always comes to mind that that's come out in a few sermons during Lent too, is, you know, uh, be careful lest you devour one another. Uh, mm. St. John Chrysostom says, what's the point of fasting from meat if you eat each other?
0: Right. Uh, right.
1: So I don't remember where he says that I should, but anyways, you know, you get the point, right? It's, yeah. Uh, it's if, and and I think sometimes too, that can, that can show it also can be time to go see the spiritual father, because if you're mm. pushing too hard, uh-huh. it is going to make you incredibly irritable. Yes. Um, and, and it, you know, it, it might become counterproductive if it's not done in a, in a kind of a balanced and healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes too, it also for people who are new to fasting, there's a lot of practical stuff. Like, you can't just carb load. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, cause then, yeah. then your blood sugar is all over the place and, and you're, you're going to be irritable and, and yeah. sometimes you might even just flat pass out. Yeah. And, and that's not good. Right. Uh, so, you, you know, you also may have to change how you eat, you know, it'll be an opportunity to incorporate, you know, healthy stuff. And there's, there's other podcasts and other stuff that talk about that. Um, yeah. You know, that talk about how to incorporate fruits and vegetables and healthy plant-based proteins and stuff. Uh, during those seasons um and the you know the ancient cultures did that and and christians have always done that and i think that's good for us to to you know it also helps us to be a little bit more realistic Mm -hmm. uh, about what we're eating it wasn't that long ago that you know a lot of people didn't have meat every day
0: right i mean that's a
1: pretty pretty new thing i think yeah Um, so depending i guess on where you are in the world
2: yeah
0: so that brings us to the final one mm-hmm. almsgiving yeah uh do you want to talk a little bit about what almsgiving means i mean it's kind of a yeah a, a very specific term king for james, i think something that's a little bit
1: more broad king james word the greek word is alemosinis yeah which means doing mercy kind of uh and <laughs> uh you know, it's rough translation. Yeah. The the, the
0: qualifier for all, almost all translations from Greek. It kind of means this. Yes.
1: It's a rough translation, but yeah, but mercy is in there. Um, Yes, for sure. So so doing mercy and, and, you know, of course, and a lot of times it's and it's all over the gospels. I mean, you see Jesus teaching about this all the time that we're to, we're to extend a hand to those who are in need. Um, Mm -hmm. We are to put aside and a lot of times during fasting seasons, there are also times of focus for, uh, you know, alms giving, mm-hmm. um,
0: to take you know. that extra that would have gone to me, mm-hmm. and to give it to to, to the give it brother to the and other. sister in need.
1: That's right. That's right. And those church fathers are really tough on this stuff, right? I mean, oh yeah. St Basil the Great says, you know, and and St John Chrysostom too. Basically, it's like you know, if you got two pairs of shoes, you know. And there's, there's a guy out on the street that's got none you're stealing from him. Right. Uh, So, I mean, well, right.
0: I mean, St. John the Baptist, even when they ask him what to do, he says, if you have two coats, give one away. If you have extra food, give it away.
1: Yeah. And and so basically you get the gist there. Um, You know, even in the ancient Christian documents, I, you know, I think it's the, the, like he or or one of those ancient documents. And it says, let your alms sweat in your palm Hmm. until they find where they need to go.
0: So you've got money burn, burning a hole in your pocket. That's right. right. And but, but in that the, case, with the intention
1: of doing good. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, yeah. Let your let your alms sweat in your palm. You <laughs> know, until they find where they need to go, and they, and it also deals with that ancient question: What if they do something bad with it? You know, um, well, that's on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think those ancient Christian documents say we'll be judged if we don't give. They'll be judged if they're if they're. Um, being dishonest and,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then I also heard an interpretation of, you know, in the parable of the tar- talents, you know, you should have invested what was mine with bankers so that I could have collected it with interest. And mm-hmm. I heard an interpretation at the seminary of that, which is, um, you know, investing with bankers could be like giving to a food pantry mm. or, or giving to like a shelter or something like that. So maybe you're not doing the work directly, uh-huh. but you're supporting others who are doing that work. So they can continue to do that work. And so then that makes interest for the master, so to speak. And that, yeah. way, Yeah. So, so the, uh, the
0: despite the fact that the term almsgiving kind of has a very, uh, specifically financial mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. it's broader than that. It's, yeah. It's both giving mon- monetarily to, you know, mm-hmm. people or, or organizations, but it's also like you said, doing mercy.
1: Yeah. Giving of your time, yeah. your abilities, you know, whether you're volunteering at the soup kitchen, you know, whether you're volunteering to tutor kids who are struggling mm-hmm. with school. I knew sure. someone who used to go to like volunteer as a tutor at the inner city schools and kids were really struggling. And that takes on an even broader ministry component, because these kids would talk about what they had experienced the night before or something in the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and it can be really traumatic. Yeah. And so just to have someone there, just to kind of listen to them, you know, as you're trying to help them learn how to do math or. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of ways to do mercy. It's just giving of yourself um, out of compassion to the other or giving of your, your goods out of yeah. compassion to the other. You know, it's just that we see this all the time in the ministry of Jesus, right? He saw someone and he had compassion upon them. And so that word compassion, we were talking about this the other day, how it has kind of this, a sense in it of a positive movement forward of mm. you know, the, the bowels. Yeah, you know, right. But it, but in such a way that, you know, something might be done. Yeah. Not just a feeling, but a feeling, if you will, that, that leads to action. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. goes to St. James, right? I mean, you taught a class on yeah. St. James right. while, you, while you were here at the cathedral.
0: Right. And if he said, he says, you know, basically if you've meet somebody who's cold and you just say, I wish you well, or, you know, I'll pray for you whatever it might be, well, what good's that going to do them? Give them a coat, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's good to pray for them, but also, you know, uh, another professor of mine at the school used to say, when you're praying for something like that, if you have something in your power to do something about it, you must do it. Mm. You know, like mm. your, your wow. prayer, your prayer also should lead to action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of components to it. And, you know, of course, if you look at the sermon on the Mount, Jesus says all, oh, do all this simply, you know mm-hmm. up close, like don't do it to be seen uh-huh don't do uh-huh. it to show off you know don't don't fast and make a big stink about it so that everyone knows yeah. right you know don't don't make huge announcements about your almsgiving. I mean try to do it in secret and as much as is possible. yeah, try to keep it hidden and I think that's important for our soul too, because yes. there's something very special. Uh, and challenging sometimes for us, because again, of our ego and, and all that stuff to yeah. do something good and like, not let anyone know about it.
2: Yeah. It's really because tough.
1: The temptation is to tell everyone about it because you feel yeah. good about it and which yeah. is good. That's fine. It's good to feel good, uh, mm-hmm. about these things, you know, but, um, but to try to keep it, a try to, you know, try to keep it simple basically. Mm-hmm. You know, so the Sermon on the Mount, I remember reading the chapter five is about which like to go beyond, Mm. to go that extra mile, to give the shirt to all that stuff. Mm. But then chapter six is, but also be a plus, be simple. Mm. Mm. Um,
0: Right. And that, that sixth chapter we read as we're coming into Lent.
1: Yep. On the Saturday and Sunday, right before we start the great fast and we, and you cover all three of these practices, you hear about them prayer mm-hmm. fasting almsgiving so
0: yeah to be done simply mm-hmm. yeah yeah i also really like um saint theophon's advice uh when somebody asks him about giving you know doing doing mercy mm-hmm. who to whom how much and he said basically whatever is presented to you right you know whoever comes across your path that's the person you're supposed to do mercy to
1: yeah. St. Augustine of Hippo, he, he taught the same thing. You know, God will cause the person to pop up in your life that you're supposed to help. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just do that. And uh, I, I can't remember someone in Tennessee when I was there called it, I can't remember if they called it, the pop-up theory or the popcorn theory. <laughs> Which is basically whoever pops up in your life who's in, you know, who's in need, like that's, uh-huh. that's the one you're supposed to help. Basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, any any final thoughts, Father Gregory, on uh, these three practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving as aids in the spiritual life or the foundations of the spiritual life?
1: Well, I like how you said it's a three-legged stool because if you take away one of the legs, you can't sit on the stool. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're all necessary. Um, mm-hmm. And I also like, you know, we kind of discussed how there's different degrees to which these are going to be practiced by different people within the church. So look for guidance yeah, uh, in, in doing them. And, and, you know, I like there in the 55 maxims of Father Thomas Hopko, there's some great stuff in there. Yes. I really recommend that, you know, we yeah. can probably put that in the description uh, for people, but it's like pray as you can, not mm-hmm. as you think you should. Yes. Uh, I think which that's- really
0: applies to all three.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. And I, and that's a great one. That's a great saying. And I'd also tell yeah. people like, be, be gracious with yourself. Yes. You know, if you, if you, if you set out and you, and you know, and you have a blessing, you have direction and and you fail, you know, we'll, we'll get back up Yeah, and and start again and it's okay. You know? Right. Uh, right. So anyways, may, you know, these are beautiful practices. They're so helpful and, uh, just, you know, may God bless everyone in their and as they kind of pursue these spiritual practices and, and really kind of dive into them.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening to Church Coffee Pod. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to tell your friends that church coffee isn't so bad after all. Next month's topic will be the nativity of Jesus Christ. Uh, the readings connected with that, the prophecies connected with that. So if you have any questions, that you would like us to discuss next month about that topic, please email us at churchcoffeepod at gmail.com or preferably leave us a voicemail at 317-660-5498. God bless.